What's up, guys? It's Captain Cook. Welcome back to Spicy Memories, the podcast where we talk about food and life and stuff. Um, I haven't done a I haven't done a solo episode in a very very long time, so I wanted to actually just come on by myself. You know, I've been doing a lot of good episodes recently, and I've had a lot of great guests. And uh, you know, so I figured, why the hell not? I gotta come on. Gotta I have to reflect a little. You know, kind of look back on some of the stuff and uh, keep you guys updated on what's been going on and shite like that. But yeah, and I also just want to talk about some thoughts that have been running through my head recently about like food and like how it, you know, connects to like culture and like exploitation and just like kind of a self-struggle that I constantly go through between like, you know, wanting to explore new food cultures and wanting to kind of expand into that and trying to see how I can experiment within that realm, but also not exploit, I guess, what those cultures hold sacred. I don't know. It's a... Very fine line, especially, you know, for somebody like me, who's not like a trained chef with people to feed. I'm just somebody that likes to dabble. So who the fuck knows? But uh, yeah, let's just get into it. Before anything, um, if you haven't checked out my last episode and you're just jumping onto this one, you absolutely should. Um, I had Ella Mitchell from Eatin' with Ella on. She is a food blogger uh, based right now in Mexico City. She recently moved from L.A. to Mexico City with her dog, Chef. And she came on and we talked a lot about a lot of different shit, about life and about food and about tuna. And just like, this sounds weird, but it's true. And tacos, you know. Um, so definitely check that episode out. And then this week, I'm actually recording with my friend Ashley from the Lullaby Fear podcast. Ashley, I met when she and I were on each other's shows. She was one of three hosts of a show called Girls Night Out, which is a great show. Uh, you guys should check it out, Girls Night Out podcast. And then Ashley has a, you know, she has a huge passion for horror and fear and, you know, true crime and all that stuff. So she actually launched her own podcast called the Lullaby Fear Podcast. And it is fucking awesome. It is so good. Um, so check that out. Um, it's it's linked up in my, in my account, but also Lullaby the Fear Podcast on Instagram and Spotify, Apple, Google, you'll find it. Um, so she's going to be my guest actually. And I think we're going to talk about cannibals cause this is technically a food show. So why the fuck not? Um, but I'll put some disclaimers in the beginning and stuff. I know people get a little squeamish about that stuff. So I don't know. Let's just start getting into it, man. Um, so yeah, I've been doing a lot of great episodes recently and I've been trying to up the quality a little bit, even like recording quality, especially cause I don't know. I just I like this, like you ever like look back at your old social media content and you're just like, motherfucker, like what the? Ugh, like you just cringe. It's more than just a cringe because it's it's like it's not really worth your struggle to delete it if you see it, but then it's also just like it's more of a shame that you just actually posted stuff like that. Like it doesn't matter because nobody really goes back on your own profile four years. You're the only person that does it, but you know that that shit exists. I think that's the worst. And that's how I've been recently with this show um, for the early episodes. I appreciate all of the guests that I had in those early episodes. I really do. Um, and then once I started recording via Zoom, um, pretty much it was actually kind of amazing. Um, I don't know. I just, uh, it, it, it allowed me to reach out to very specific people that I wanted to have on and without having a real struggle, having to arrange anything, having to deal with recording, I was able to have them on the show. And that's kind of incredible. Um, which I've said this before, but I mean, the pandemic happening obviously is absolutely horrible. But one good thing came out of it was I think it forced a lot of us to kind of try to find an alternate way to do what we wanted to do. And in my case, it did. 
But yeah, so I've had some great guests on. But I listened to those old episodes, and I'm just like, yo, the fucking recording quality, first of all, was horrible. Second of all, I didn't really, I mean, I still don't really fully understand how to run a podcast, you know, which is stupid to say when I'm on episode 25 or 6, whatever the fuck this is of a podcast, but I don't know. It just, uh, it never, I'm, I, I don't know. I feel like it's more about having a good conversation, getting interesting people, and obviously if you have somebody who wants to promote something, you have them on the show, but I don't know. I think as, as, I'm, as I'm recording more episodes, I want to just have more and more interesting people, even people that aren't related to food. Because, you know, connecting and networking is what it's all about, right? I mean, you want to, you know, have exposure to people that you usually wouldn't. So, I don't know. I'm going to try to, um, I don't know. I'm going to try to make this uh, a much better quality show for not just you guys, but for my own sake, too. So, I don't have to look back on this in another three years and be like, what the fuck was I doing? <laughs> so, um little update as far as, like, the cooking stuff, too. I uh, I recently did my first catering gig. Um, the chef that I work with at this local place uh, where I make my hot sauce here, um, he had a wedding. And so I helped in the kitchen, and I helped, you know, prep and plate. And uh, it was, and I, I, you know, did a lot of the, I don't know. It was just, it was, it was like, it seems like it would be overwhelming, but it really wasn't. It was actually kind of amazing. And, you know, it does get a little hectic you know but honestly i mean the the chef that i worked with um you know chef paul from hayfields there it was it was so well planned out that it really wasn't that hectic i mean when you have so much prep done and you know you have you know your mise en place all set up that you can just kind of go i mean that's the idea um you know mise en place for those who don't know it's kind of like your whole like setup to make sure that everything is good to go you know you've got your garnishes you've got your chopped you know and shredded basil you've got you know any kind of like toppings you put on the dish basil oils things like that um, so when all that is set up and done for you, it makes life pretty easy. But yeah, I did a catering gig, uh, and I kind of fucking loved it like a lot, which I never thought I would actually be into catering. I thought like maybe like for me as like a home cook and somebody who's finally spending more time in professional kitchens and getting used to like prep and getting used to being around all the, you know, commercials type equipment, I thought that maybe that would not be what I loved, but I don't know. I think I think for me, it's more just like I love being in a kitchen. Like I love preparing food, whether it's home or whether it's out or whether it's me producing the hot sauce, whatever it may be. I think I just I think I'm just one of those people that just loves being in a kitchen. And I mean, that's kind of a, I don't know. That's something that I'm I hope I can keep for the rest of my life. But we'll we'll see. But uh, you know, I've been doing some experimenting recently, and I've been eating a couple more dishes, and I've just I've kept on thinking this this reoccurring theme just keeps coming back to me about like where is the line between like exploitation of a certain cuisine and being able to actually enjoy it and like expand it in the way that you want? You know what I mean? Like, how do I put this? Like, I don't know. I'm I'm trying to walk a very <laughs> I'm trying to walk a very fine line here without being insulting, but also, uh, trying to get my point across. So you can discover a new dish, uh, that's influenced by, let's say, you know, like, you know, Portuguese cuisine or, you know, um, you know, Japanese or anything like that. And it could be, you know, a dish that is very deep rooted in their culture and stuff. And if you, you know, want to make it and try it, that's fine. It's just like, you know, I, I, I am not one of those people who would get angry over, you know, somebody like me making a dish that is native to a certain section of, you know, the, the, um, you know, the Philippines or Vietnam, you know, which a lot of people would, they would say, 
you know, you're basically exploiting that culture, like that food exists for a reason, X, Y, Z. And I agree that like, you need to understand why those foods come from that area. I mean, that's the whole point, you know? I mean, you know, if you watch any episodes of Anthony Bourdain from any of his shows, but specifically Parts Unknown, you know, when he goes to these places and he sits down and eats these meals and stuff, it's not really about the food. Like it is, but it's not. Like it's really about why it exists and why the culture, you know, you know, sprouted it. Why, why that, why that, you know, had to, had to happen in that area for those people. And, you know, you can take that experience with you. And, you know, the people that open up restaurants that are themed in these cuisines, if they're not specifically connected with the culture and it's something that they just experienced, at what point is that okay? But also, what point do you really give a shit, you know? A good example is Ivan Ramen, you know? Ivan Orkin, for those of you who don't know, is a tiny, tiny little white dude from Long Island, and he sounds like it, but he lived in Japan for, like, decades and, you know, especially, I think it was, like, the, the early 2000s or something like that, he had, like, the most popular ramen shop in all of, in, like, a lot of Tokyo. And, like, like not for, like, a white dude. I mean, like, just in general. Like, he was on TV shows and shit like that. Like, they were covering it on the news. And, you know, he then came back to the States, and he, you know, he, he was a native to Japan for, like, you know, a couple decades. And then he came back to the States, and he opened up Ivan Ramen which is in New York. And he's just a great, he's a great chef and he's a, he's great at making ramen and he like has amazing dishes and he learned how to do it the OG way in Japan. And so it's like, can you really call that him exploiting a section of Japanese culture? Like I, I wouldn't because, you know, he was there for two decades. He didn't like he, his cookbook that he wrote with Chris Yang is called, you know, the Gaijin cookbook and Gaijin, is a borderline derogatory term uh, for, like, an outsider. You know, like, if you're Japanese and you look at somebody who's clearly not Japanese, you call them, you know, gaijin. So his cookbook is called the Gaijin Cookbook. So he's clearly seen himself as an outsider all these years. So he's not trying to hide behind anything. He's not trying to shield himself with Japanese culture. He's being very open about that. So I think that kind of takes a little bit of courage in a way because he was there for a couple decades. He experienced this, and he wants to share it with the world. And I think that's true. But I also think that, like, even if you're a home cook, if you're going to blend your cooking a little bit and you're going to try to expand into some of these different areas, I think you have to try and understand where this stuff came from, you know? Like, like if you're going to start using everything bagel seasoning, right, on, like, everything, you also need to understand – well, not – I wouldn't say everything. If you're going to start doing all those hacks that people like me um, have posted online and done TikToks of where it's, like – you know, you'll make a ramen like three ingredients and one of the ingredients is like everything bagel seasoning, right? You have to also understand where that idea kind of came from. And that idea came from, you know, a rice seasoning called furikake. Furikake is basically the Japanese version of everything bagel seasoning as far as like being able to throw that shit on top of everything. But it's basically, it's a dry seasoning. It's got sesame seeds. It's got nori, some dashi. It's like, it's a very, very, very good Japanese tasting dry seasoning, much like everything bagel that you just toss on everything. It's meant for rice, but it's great on fucking everything. And I especially love it on noodles. Um, so that is, I mean, that's what people have in the past have referred to, you know, the whitewashed version of that is everything bagel seasoning. Uh, so like, if you're going to do stuff like that, you have to also understand kind of where the idea came from. And as long as you understand and appreciate that and, you know, you don't hold it in contempt or anything like that, then, like, I don't see there's... I, I don't know why there's any problem with it, but you also have to understand 
where these dishes came from. Like, I mean, I think part of the problem is that people learn just very surface things about a lot of the stuff that they cook. You know, they learn a couple of maybe nuggets of truth or they see a fucking BuzzFeed video about it or, I don't know, they see some, you know, some super, like, you know, Denver-based white food blogger mom make a dish (laughs) who, you know, it's like, this is chicken tikka masala, right? Or, what you know, whatever. And then all of a sudden, it's like you find yourself, you think that you're educated on the the dish and you're not. And I'm not going to lie, in past years, I've been guilty of this too because... I understand why you would do why you would go that way because you see something and you get so excited and you want to make it and like you don't want to research all the way into it. Why the fuck would you? Because you want to just make it, you know. But I think that you'd be doing yourself and everybody else kind of a service <laughs> if you at least were able to educate yourself mildly, even on the history of the dish, maybe why it exists, and like it might help you appreciate it a little bit more. Now, the real question that with all this may bring is like, is even you cooking it in your kitchen borderline like offensive or like exploiting? And like, I don't, I don't think it is. I mean, like, I don't know if you want to cook something in your kitchen, even if it's a fucking butchered version of like, you know, arroz con gondoles or, you know, you know, uh, any kind of like chicken dish that you found in like an obscure, you know, Filipino recipe and anything like that. You know, I don't think it's wrong that you would want to cook it in your kitchen. It's like, I don't know, if people, it's even, there's even these restaurants out there that are selling these like completely botched or butchered versions of like, you know, certain kind of Asian cuisines and doing fusions. Fusions is another one that's been on the list for like years. And it's like, is that really exploitation or like, you know, it all goes back to like these, what I've said in past episodes too, which I think I did a whole solo episode about it, which was authenticity and how authenticity, that word is authentic, is kind of bullshit. How, you know, it's like, unless you're getting your food from the exact source, it's like nothing is authentic. And especially in a place like this, a place like the US where like, I don't know, do we really have a food culture in the US, you know? Like, our food culture is other food cultures. I hate to say it like that, but, like, you know, I don't know. It is. I mean, you know, the things that uh, the U.S. is known for, New York especially, you know, fucking pizza. Like, we're not, like, that's not fucking, that's not American, you know? And I don't know. I mean, the U.S. doesn't really have that kind of a food culture. It's not like that, at least. You know, we have a food culture which allows for... I mean, a bunch of dishes from all around the world and people from all around the world to bring their cuisine here, which is nice. I'm not, but the problem is like, I don't know, people think that, you know, they, this, for years, this country was called like the land of opportunity and like all this stuff, but like, like go to the most of the, you know, serious, like free developed like countries in the world. And like, you know, you can find multiple kinds of cuisine within that country. Like you're not going to go to France and only find, you know, beef, you know, bourguignon and like, you know, escargot and like all these dishes, you know, you're not going to find just that. Like I was in Paris in 2019 for my honeymoon. And I'm telling you, you know, in the city, especially it's a fucking city. You know, I think people forget that, you know, you get lost in like the romanticized versions of these places. You forget that people live there, you know, like I was uh, like mildly annoyed at first because I'm a fucking stupid, you know, tourist. And I was annoyed at first. I was, like, staying, you know, like, a mile away from 
you know, Notre Dame, right in the middle of Paris, like an amazing location. Like I could walk to the Seine in like 13 minutes. And I was like, what the fuck? I'm like, why am I seeing a Starbucks and a Chipotle? And then like, you know, you see a bunch of pizza places. I'm like, why am I seeing pizza places? And then I kind of had to stop and be like, Dick, like you're in a fucking city. Like people live here. Like granted, some cities around the world aren't the biggest tourist attractions in the world, Paris being one of them, which I'll touch upon in a few minutes. But, you know, you have to remind yourself that you're going to find all different versions of cuisine because, you know, there's still cities that people live in. You know, people don't just want to eat fucking, you know, escargot and, you know, fillets of beef and, you know, crepes, like, which are all the stereotypical French foods, by the way, which are not comprised entirely of French cuisine. I'm telling you, there's so much more to French cuisine, especially like countryside style, like comfort French cuisine that is just like so nice. But I think people need to remind themselves that like, you know, America does something that the rest of the world does as well. We have other cultures come in and, you know, embed themselves into our culture. And by that, it brings along their cuisine. You know, um, I have mentioned this, I don't know, every single episode, I think for the past like five episodes, and I'm going to keep fucking mentioning it because it's important. Tacos al pastor, um, which is traditionally like a shawarma style cooked dish where, you know, meat is spun on a, on a stick in a heat and there's pineapple lined inside. So the pineapple cooks through the pork and then you serve it, whatever. There's bastardized versions of it in the U.S. and there are some fucking horrible versions of it as well. But um, basically, that is a Mexican dish that was brought to Mexico by Lebanese immigrants because it's cooked like a shawarma, which is a Lebanese dish. So like, like all, like this has been happening for centuries, you know? And I think people forget that sometimes. Like if you really genuinely go to like, you know, most cities of the U S and you find like Ethiopian restaurants and you're just like, Oh man, where else could you go with this much variety? Like there's a lot of places you could go with that much variety. Right. The one thing I'll give to New York city is that there's volume. All right. So like, I mean, I have friends that live in almost all five boroughs of the city, and specifically ones in Brooklyn. And in certain areas of Manhattan and Brooklyn, you have so many fucking options that it's almost insane. And I mean, like, almost insane. Like, you, you don't have to try and find a certain type of cuisine. Like, you really don't. And so, you know, that's because there's just so much of it. So, like, that doesn't mean that New York is the only place in the world with variety, but it does mean that you know, because there's eight to eight, nine and a half or whatever million people that live within the five boroughs, there's a lot of fucking food. And it is an amazing place for food. But it's not the only place in the world that has variety. So I think that, you know, it would be good for us to kind of embrace this idea that maybe we're not unique, that maybe the U.S. does the exact same thing as all these other places, that we allow all these other cultures in to embed themselves into our food culture and our culture in general. And along with that comes the food, you know? I mean, look at England. Like, regardless of the fact that they were imperialist fucking assholes <laughs> for India, you know, which, and, you know, people from India should still not forgive them for that. Fuck that. You know, Britain's trying to make their national dish fucking, you know, chicken tikka masala. Because, like, chicken tikka masala was pretty much created in England. I mean, it's based off of very old Indian recipes. It's not a British dish. I don't care what anybody says. However... You know, it was it created in England and became famous there, and you know, you can find it everywhere. Yes, but that alone should kind of be amazing to people, like the fact that the Indian food cuisine and culture was able to embed themselves so much in 
I mean, the UK. This is the UK. It's where they make white people. Like, literally. <laughs> it's like That is as white as it gets, pretty much. You know, outside of, like, you know, Sweden. And <laughs> so the fact that Indian cuisine has, like, you know, infused the culture that much to the point where you can get a curry in any pub. And, you know, every place has chicken tikka masala. And, like, there's a lot of, like, Afro-Brazilian restaurants popping up in London. And, you know, mo- the more people in... London are people of color than not, you know, it's like, this is, this is, this is important shit. And I think it's important for the people in the U S to realize that maybe if we embrace that a little bit and didn't just slap an American flag on everything, uh, that maybe we'd be better off. Maybe it would have all these other cultures come. I mean, cause at the end of the day, what is like really American food? What a fucking melted piece of, what, a melted piece of American cheese on top of an apple pie? Like, or, you know, could you argue that the steakhouse, the evolution of the current steakhouse as it is, is American, you know? But can you really argue that if you really look into the history of steakhouses and how steak is served? You know, or even like a hamburger? I know that's not fucking American. Or French fries, for that matter. You know? And pizza don't even get me started. My God. And I don't even think that pizza necessarily may have been invented in Naples. Like, that form of pizza, like, what we see is pizza... Like, was that invented in Naples? Yeah, probably. But were, were, you know, Napoli people the first people to, you know, put shit on top of bread and, like, put it on a fire? Like, no, they were not. Not even a little bit. So I think it's important for us to keep that in mind as well. I think that we have to remind ourselves that we are a fucking mutt at the end of the day. You know, I mean, people in this country love to identify themselves with their heritage, which is great. I mean... You know, people ask what my background and heritage is, and, like, you know, I tell them I'm 100% Italian, but, you know, at the end of the day, like, am I Italian? Like, no, I'm American, you know? And I hate saying that word now, American, because it's attached with that, you know, idea nowadays that a lot of people get where it's ethnocentrism, basically. You know, they want everything to only be about the U.S., and they want, you know, American flags pad on everything, and we do it bigger and better than everybody else, goddammit. But you know what? That's not really what you should be doing. I mean, I don't think so. I think the only way for us to continue growing as a society and as a country is allow in all these other countries. This fucking country was founded by people who were from another country. Like, this is not like, you know, we're not in Africa. Like, we weren't the native people here, you know? We dealt with the native people here. You remember that shit? Fuck. I don't know. I just, I think that there's enough of this fucking ethnocentrism. I think that people need to start embracing all these other cultures that are trying to embed themselves and make a name for themselves and have a voice in this country. Because along with that doesn't just come food, it comes all the other aspects and shit, you know? People love to celebrate, you know, Cinco de Mayo, Dias de los Muertos, like all that stuff. But they're, those are the same people who think that Mexico is comprised of senor frogs and, you know, will tell you that they're the ones against immigration. Like, so it's kind of hypocritical bullshit. You know, and I'm, I don't know, I'm probably going to lose some listeners who, who, who have gotten this far because this is starting to get borderline political, but it's not really political. It's more about me pleading with people to try and keep an open mind and try and remind themselves that like, you know, this country can be really great. It can be. And the reason is because it's eclectic, because there's just a fucking mismatch of a bunch of shit. The fact that we have as many accents around the country as we do, the fact that, you know, you can go to major cities and get any kind of cuisine if you really think about it. Like I said, like I mentioned, including, you know, Ethiopian or, you know, Filipino. Like the fact that, you know, countries that are so 
far away from us, on the other sides of the world, you know, with people who look different and sound different, the fact that those food cultures have made it here and a lot of them have made names for themselves, that's kind of fucking amazing. So, you know, the fact that the political spectrum is when everything gets touchy, but when it comes to food, people don't seem to really have a problem. So maybe we need to focus more on that because maybe if that got integrated more into the society, things would start to change elsewhere. I mean, it's not necessarily true, but it's very possible. So I don't know. I just, I think that after visiting some more cities myself, including, you know, Rome and Paris and places in the Caribbean and Mexico, I feel like, I feel like you need to remind yourself that in other cities in the world, they do the same thing. And maybe this is like a simultaneous process that's happening around the world where every other country is allowing in other cultures to kind of mix in, blend in, and like, you know, embed their own food culture and to make a larger kind of eclectic collection of food. And you can take the dishes that have been made famous and perfected and mastered in those countries, and you can start using them in your own country. It doesn't take away from that homeland, but that homeland, you know, is doing that with other cuisines. So it's just this never-ending process. And I think if we finally, if we do that, in a way, it's the best kind of sharing and food sharing that people could have in the entire world. So I don't know. That's also why, at the end of the day, I hate the word, like, authentic. I think it's completely bullshit. I think that, you know, could you make a dish and say, like, you know, this is the traditional way to serve something? Like, yes. But you can't open up a restaurant and say, like, you know, authentic, you know, Ethiopian cuisine if you're, you know, somebody who you know, is <laughs> from, you know, Queens, um, which is, I guess that's not true. If you're, if your whole family's Ethiopian or you're from Ethiopia or you've studied Ethiopian cuisine, sure. Could you do that? Of course. However, you know, is it really authentic if you're not eating it in Ethiopia? Like probably not. It may be traditional. It may be the way that it's usually served, but that's also not, I'm not deterring against that either. I'm just saying that I think people focus too much on that. I think they focus too much on like authenticity and like, you know, it's very like, I hear people talk about that sometimes and like, you know, quintessential. When I hear the word quintessential, I get very like Aryan vibes. <laughs> like, I don't mean to sound like that. Like, I don't mean to bring up the Aryan uh, Aryans, but like, you understand what I'm saying? Like when I hear like quintessential, that's the kind of word that also goes along with like pure and like the word like cleansing, you know, like I'm not about that. I, I don't, I'm not a fan of that. I think that, I think that everything should just be a fucking just anybody should be able to make whatever the fuck they want. And you can make all these dishes. You could still do research and find out why they're important to the culture. And it may make you enjoy it more. You know, I do not like pineapple on pizza. I don't like pineapple and pork usually together. I do like a well-cooked taco pastor, you know, um, but only after I really found out that this stems from like three countries. Like it's a Lebanese dish that was brought to Mexico by Lebanese Im immigrants. And there are still some places in Mexico run by Lebanese Mexicans who, you know, cook it traditionally like that. But then when it was in Lebanon, the shawarma that it really came from was from another place. So like, you know, finding all that rich history out just makes these things better. And I think people need to start treating food, you know, with the respect that it kind of deserves. And the fact that it's one of the few things that, really can bring people together of different socio-political backgrounds and ideas and people of different cultures, people who can't even speak to each other in the same language can sit down and eat a meal and communicate exactly how they're feeling, you know? And I think, you know, that's a very important lesson that people like Anthony Bourdain and people like, you know, kind of now Stanley Tucci, even though what he's doing on CNN, you know, we'll talk about that. But regardless, I think it's important to keep that in mind. So I don't really know where that rant went, but if you're still with me, I really appreciate it. <laughs>
really appreciate you uh, sticking it out there with me. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I just, I would love to see more cultures and food uh, kind of immerse themselves into every city that's possible, you know? I mean, that's the idea, I guess. I mean, that's, you know, all of these great, you know, places that you see on TV and the Travel Channel and stuff like that, they've all had ingredients and influences, you know, come from different parts of the world. And, you know, it's just, I, I don't know. I, I feel like food is one of those rare things where it actually, you know, it actually can bind people together, you know, which is rare nowadays. So I don't know. That's my little rant about, uh, you know, about authenticity and about, you know, trying to get, you know, immerse more uh, <laughs> food cultures in here. Um, quick recap. Uh, I had my last episode I had, uh, I think I mentioned Ella Mitchell from Eaton with Ella. Next episode, uh, next guest I'm going to have is Ashley uh, from the, the Lullaby Fear podcast. Ashley and I have gone live together. Um, we have recorded shows from each other's old podcast, her old podcast and, you know, my current one. And uh, yeah, she's got a great fear, horror, true crime, uh, true crime podcast that it's it's called fear the lullaby podcast if you you need to check it out it's on spotify apple google anchor there's there's every you can find it everywhere um so i'll be recording with her this week probably put it out next week um that's pretty much it i just kind of wanted to talk a little bit to you guys hope everything has been going well and uh i hope everyone's having a great day you know (laughs) so i'll see you next time this has been another solo daddy episode peace